Hello and welcome to Talking HE, my name is Santanu Vasant. In this episode we speak to Sue Beckenham, Principal Lecturer in Computing at Sheffield Hallam University and a National Teaching Fellow. We discuss some of the trends in social media and learning over the last 10 years, what you would say to sceptical educators about using social media for learning, and how social media for learning is changing given recent events with social media companies. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, thank you very much for having me here. It's uh, it's a delight to be sure. So um, I'm Sue Beckingham and I work at Sheffield Hallam University. I'm a principal lecturer there and national teaching fellow and I work in the Department of Computing. Thanks, Sue, for joining us on Talking HE. I want to start by asking what trends have you seen in the use of social media for learning in the last 10 years? Well, if I start from a university perspective, you know, I've seen a big uptake in how they've um, adopted a variety of different social media channels. And, and that's been interesting to see because obviously you've got the text there, but you can also integrate the images and videos. And that's been a nice way to communicate with new students, current students, parents of students, people interested in the uh, local communities with the university. It can be a Q&A, it can be to celebrate um, and promote achievements that both students and staff at the university, you know, have um, completed. Um, it's also useful for signposting support, I think, and, you know, from from well-being to, to careers. That's that's been useful. It's been a, a supplementary communication channel or channels because there could be multiple um, to email, which, as we all well know, is um, quite overwhelming at, at times. And, you know, it's it's just a different way that people can tune into to information. From a learning and teaching perspective, um, I'd say that initially the appropriation of social media for this this context was was a bit trial and error. Um, myself included would try things out. So, you know, Facebook groups, for example, quickly um, became new spaces that would replace the clunky discussion groups in our VLEs, um, as, as an example. I remember introducing one of my colleagues who taught IT professionals at master's level distance learning, and he was saying that, you know, he wasn't just getting the same interaction as, as he could do in the classroom. I said, well, why don't we try Google Hangouts? Um, and I had to write some user guides for them to introduce them because they'd never used these channels. So they're IT mm. professionals, but not use the social. And it was absolutely quite magical actually seeing them because for the first time they could introduce themselves to each other, see each other and, and have a chat. And, and this was kind of before universities like my own had access to Blackboard Collaborate, um, Skype, group Skype. There was a charge attached to that, so we didn't use that. And of course, Google Hangouts was was free, so so that was interesting. Um, 
And then there's the social networking side side of things that, you know, students obviously would would get involved with. Um, the visual side of things, whether it's images, interests, Pinterest, you know, creating reading lists through through Pinterest, um, you know, was, was something that, that came came about. And obviously the video sharing services were there as as well. And and then, you know, sort of blogs, it became apparent that actually it could be good for students to have a public facing website and that could be Google Sites or it could be um, having a WordPress or blogger site to, to share what they were doing and integrate images if that was appropriate, videos, sketches, whatever, you know, it was that was interesting. Um, so, you know, that kind of happened. Um, fairly quickly just trying things out and then you know in some cases the students said well no that's that's my space you know I want that for my social or they left that space and went on to somewhere else and you know they've tried different things out themselves um, but I would say say that you know it, it's still an area that's been being explored a I did a project with um, some students a few years ago, which actually spanned about four four years, and we looked at what the different types of uses um, were being implemented with with social media, and we came up with four four key areas really. Um, the first was we called it learning activities, but essentially it was communication and collaboration within and outside the, the classroom. And that could be tutor led or it could be student led. And then using relevant social media to organise the learning. So we got early access to Google Drive as a, you know, the educators view of it. So there's a directory and their students could find each other within our university. And, and they use that tool as a collaborative way of you know sort of work working on documents but using the comments in there so that social aspect of sort of giving each other feedback on what they were producing was really interesting um and then there's the showcasing learning and i think you know the the professional side of using social media is, is so very important you know we kind of think about the frivolous stuff that's going on uh, mm. that people you know sort of you know sort of Talk, talk down to but you know link, LinkedIn's been around for a while and, and it's certainly made a big difference to my career um, and to to my students you know there's people um, examples where they've been headhunted for placements for example or you know they've been found because they've demonstrated the skills on there so that showcasing learning yeah. is 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 really important um, and then I guess the final bit that we came to um, the year after the project started was the supporting learning and, and recognising that actually if you follow careers, it's a really good way to have those up to date messages of there's a session on today for, you know, developing your LinkedIn profile or actually the careers fairs next week, you know, that that kind kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that's that's been really, really helpful, I guess, to um, to, to explore with with the students and to to get them thinking with staff because we did some workshops with staff how this could be explored um, and you know I think something that I feel quite strongly about is that it doesn't have to be staff led you know it, it's getting the students to think about how they can use social media for their own benefit yes they can use it in their social spheres how can they use that to develop the networks within um, their university experience? 
What would you say to sceptical educators about using social media for learning? I've always felt that as educators, we've got a responsibility to talk about social media. There's clearly pros and cons to, to using that. I think it's really important that we have that, that discussion. Um, and I'd say to them that, you know, that doesn't mean to say you've got to have every social media channel and account on those spaces and be interacting with it and, and that sort of thing. Um, or indeed use it in your own teaching. It doesn't have to be there, but there needs to be a space within your course team so that that conversation is happening so that students can learn about um, the things that could trip them up essentially you know so what what are the the legal and ethical implications of of using social media what is the implications of having a digital footprint for example which could you know work for you and it can certainly work against you um you know, and I've, I've had many a conversation with, with students where I've said, you know, you do realise that employers could, if they want to, search for you on Google and find your open social media accounts and look at anything that's open. Um, you know, and in the early days, the students were quite shocked about that. Right. Um, you know, but it's it's there, it's open. So if they find that, you know, chances are you may never get invited to, to interview, you know, if there was something there that sort of had showed them in it you know they're not best light shall we just say um but of course teaching our students about what a good digital footprint looks like you know and you know that that could be engaging publicly using something like twitter with professionals in their particular discipline area um it could be used to help them find out where potential employers are in the social spheres, you know, and, and there's certainly been great examples where employers have used Twitter, for example, and had a careers version of that. And, and they posted opportunities for open days or um, placement opportunities, graduate jobs, all sorts of diff different things. Yeah. So it, it, I think it's just really important that um, the conversations are had and another aspect is the fact that you know and particularly through the pandemic and as a result of the pandemic and and you know our shift online to um to communicate with with each other um you know zoom came from from nowhere there are other versions of that kind of 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 software but you know that that's used um very much in the workplace now so I think it's important for students to know how to use these different tools, to know how to to use them in a professional context and engage with people um, so that, you know, if, if they're in that situation, um, they know how to, to interact. They know that they need to look at the camera, they need to have the camera on if they're in a professional meeting, you know, and, and, and certainly these days it, it's used as an interview tool. You know, why pay a fortune, you know, for, for train fares when actually we can do the first interview just just um, through um, Zoom or some alternative. Um, so that practice is, is really important. What would you say are the negatives for using social media for learning? If we just start from a, a, a general perspective, you know, that there is that um, 
fear of missing out or FOMO as it, it's it's called. Um, yes. You know, I, you can appreciate the students are going to get distracted because, you know, they're, they're reading those notifications and they don't want to miss out on what somebody else is, you know, and you kind of lose yourself a little bit, don't you? So if you open that up and you're lost in that space. So, you know, time can disappear. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been down that uh, odd rabbit hole where, you know, before you know it, 30 minutes has gone because, you know, one link's led to, to another, which can actually have good results. But it's also, oh my gosh, look, look at the time I was supposed to be doing, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and I think recognising that too much screen time is not good for you. Um, I do actually remember as as a child being told off by my uncle um, about sitting in front of the television too much for the very same reasons. And he told me that I'd get square eyes from looking at a screen too, too much. Um, yeah. But no, in all seriousness, you know, the, the, there is issues with with spending too much time online. And, and there's apps now to help you you manage that. And I think, you know, there's there's also um, a term that I came across the other day, JOMO, which is the joy of missing out and actually, you know, sort of taking that time and feeling quite content with disconnecting, um, you know, as, as a form of self-care, if you like, because, you know, it, it can get a little bit too, too much. And, you know, yeah. putting your phone to one side and leaving it because that 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 is, is, you know, the reason why we're so connected because of the obviously most people these days. Um, Certainly the students that I'm um, teaching do have a mobile phone that is a smartphone that has access to, to these apps. But periodically people can switch switch those off. And in fact, I'm supervising students at the moment looking at side effects of, of social media, you know, and, and there is that, you know, you've got to give your very best impression to, to people and you know that feeling that you're not good enough compared to, to others or they're doing more exciting things. You know, and, and there is that appreciation that that um, that can can be an issue. Um, so, yeah, there is some some negatives. And I think um, there's also safety reasons, you know, which is why I would never push students to use it. You know, I try and encourage them to, you know, decide how they're going to connect with each other. You know, that could be email, you know, yeah. they can meet in person but if they want to have a message out you choose between you what you think is most appropriate for for yourselves because you know it, there might be safety reasons why people don't want to have a public profile for example yeah. there might be reasons if they're international students where in their country it's deemed not a good thing or, or banned should i say really to use a particular social media channel um, so, yeah, we've got to be respectful of, you know, reasons why students wouldn't want to use it because, yeah, there are issues. And how do you see social media for learning changing given the recent events on social media platforms and their revenues falling? If we go back to when I first got involved with social media, and it was before Facebook, it was Friends Reunited. Right, yes. And you actually paid for that. It was a small charge, but it was enough, you know, to keep the company going. And I think, you know, to be fair, um, we've joined social media sites and there's no such thing as a free lunch. So we know and we've we've become accustomed to, to sort of blindside those um, adverts 
um, that are of no interest or maybe they are of interest but you know we've you know accepted that it's free but that mm. that's something that we've had to to go with yeah. it um you know and if you choose to click on those promoted posts then you've got to accept they're going to be served up more things like like that um so i think there's a potential that you know a charge is something that could be considered whether that would eradicate all the advertising side of things um is yet to, to be seen um i've always said that twitter is only as good as the people you follow um and certainly i've learned and i'm sure many others have learned to to filter tweets so you can create lists for example so you know you can dip into those conversations you can block people you can mute people you know they're getting a little bit um overexcited about whatever's going on at the time at the moment yeah. it's probably the football <laughs> yes um so you know that said definitely there are political agendas going going on and and certainly this uh last last few weeks with Musk putting on a poll you know should we bring trump back onto twitter and you know it was a fine margin but you know that's that's actually happened um but you know he's he's out to to shock and actually watched um i read or saw a little diagram actually that somebody tweeted about musk and basically it said um he was trying to explain how musk increases the daily average users on on twitter because musk keeps bragging you know that the twitter pe people aren't going that the, that they're growing and you know he's in short um trying to shock people so he says things to shock then people write about that so then people go onto twitter to watch it and then they have a go back at musk and you know that increases people into to go that, that yeah. kind of cycle yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know where that's that's going to to go. It is it's it's certainly a very very strange business case for somebody that you know does like to um, build his empires. So I I honestly don't don't know with that. Um, what I do know that Jack Dorsey, who is um, one of the co-founders of Twitter, is at the moment working on um, something else. Um, and that's a project called Blue Sky. So he describes that as a social intranet with a new foundation for social networking, which gives creators independence from platforms, developers, the freedom to build and users a choice in their experience. So I signed up for the beta <laughs> to see, see right. what happens next, yeah. whether that is um, something that's going to be good, you know, and and. Jack Dorsey has actually apologised and said, you know, openly that he grew the company too, too big. And that's not, not where exactly when wanted it to go. Who mm. knows? You know, you don't know who to trust these days or, or not. But, um, but I think from from an educator perspective, you know, we, we, we are um, well, there's certainly quite a few people exploring other spaces, um, you know, as, as of yet, I've not seen anything that's going to replace Twitter as we know it and value it from how we've used it as, as educators. But um, people have moved to Mastodon. Um, 
and are wandering around fairly confused <laughs> how they're going to connect and try and build their, their, their networks to some some extent. Um, people have chosen to set up alternative private um, messaging groups. So, you know, that could be WhatsApp or Signal or I'm sure there's many, many others to have have conversations. Um, but then, of course, there's still still email and and the JISC email lists are still very popular and conversations go on there. So, you know, yeah. the, there's always that as an alternative. Yes. Um, you know, some people might be trying things like Slack. You know, I'm sure there's a whole host of, of things and over the coming weeks and months, um, yeah, maybe maybe something else will will appear because, as we know, things fall off. It's not that that long ago that you know Google had a whole collection of useful things, uh, and then they decide to shut them down. But then the next day, some somebody else opens something else up. So, you know that that could happen. And I have to think, you know, social media is more than than Twitter or Facebook for for that matter. You know, and there's there's social media and social software. You know, there's there's lots of different choices that we can still use to to share useful information. And you know, I think as professionals, both students and and um, people working in in universities, you know, LinkedIn is 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 a very useful um, professional social networking site to, to share information, to learn about things. You can set up private groups and have conversations. You know, we've just we have a late graduation at my university. It's um, just completing after a fortnight this this week. And for my courses, we have our own LinkedIn group. So at the moment we're sharing photographs of graduation, you know, which is which is really, really nice to you yeah. know sort of see what's what's going on and and obviously students sharing where they're going next, et cetera. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to disappear overnight. And and in fact, if people want to find out more about social media for learning and higher education, then they need to go to the University of Northampton next month because the eighth conference is taking place there. So if they want to follow SOC. Med HE, they can find out how to um, put themselves a, a place. So, yeah, there's plenty more to, to share, I think, and discuss and talk about and come out with solutions because, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're good about. You know, if, if we hit a wall, we'll find a way to either get round it, get over it, or, you know, find a, another pathway. I don't think it's, uh, it's going to disappear overnight. Thank you to Sue Beckenham for her time. Coming up next time on Talking HE, we speak to Dr. Anthony Mansfield, Head of Planning, Performance and Evaluation at the University of East London preview coming up. So uh, my name's Anthony Mansfield and I am the Head of Planning, Performance and Evaluation at the University of East London. I think HE at the moment, and it's it's an often coined phrase, is just going through a heck of a lot of change. But when we're saying that, we, we mean fundamental change. Um, with the with the rise of the OFS, we have a different type of regulator with the landscape that's going on, even just outside the walls of HE that does impact us. For example, how the world is changing. If you were looking at the pandemic that affected everybody and still continues to affect people, um, even down to Ukraine and the impact that has on just things like inflation. It's a very volatile world. And I think that's 
that's why strategic planning functions do become um, crucial is because it's there's so much information out there. It's what what's worth what, how it's what's worth looking at, what isn't worth not not worth looking at, what's less important to focus on. And then how do you actually synthesize this information? Because there is so much and make sense of it. And then even while you're doing that, things just start changing again. I mean, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'd be amazed if anyone had on a risk register in 2019 a global pandemic in an institution. All this and more in the next episode of Talking HE. If you've got a comment or query, then please tweet us at TalkingHEPod or email santanu at santanuvasant.com. Until then, thanks for listening. I've been Santanu Vasant, and this has been Talking HE.